Well, today we are gonna have a different kind of a service. Today we are going to celebrate the 10th anniversary of a ministry here at High Point Assembly known as Celebrate Recovery. On Friday night, they had a celebration during their normal service time, and it was a wonderful evening. But this year, when I heard it was going to be their 10th anniversary, I decided that we would take a Sunday morning service and introduce this wonderful ministry to all of you. You've heard about it. Some of you have been involved in it, but some of you know very little about Celebrate Recovery. And I think a great place for me to begin is by reading the official description of what Celebrate Recovery is. This comes directly from their website. Celebrate Recovery is a biblical and balanced program that helps us overcome our hurts, hangups, and habits by showing the loving power of Jesus Christ through a recovery process. It is based on the actual words of Jesus rather than psychological theory. To put it into layman's terms, CR is a ministry designed to help people overcome struggles that is, they have a very difficult time breaking free from. And for some people, these struggles have literally controlled their lives. So to finally be set free is an amazing thing. It is life-changing for anyone who's been there. And I think it's very important to say, whether we want to admit it or not, we all deal with hurts. We all deal with hang-ups. We all deal with habits. It may not be drugs, it may not be alcohol, but there's a whole lot of things you can add to that list. And, and many people are either oblivious to their struggle or they're just quite honestly in denial. And what I love so much and appreciate so much about those who are part of this ministry is they are real. They don't sugarcoat. They don't try to diminish their struggle. They hit it head on, and the ministry of CR is here to help them in their recovery journey. I want to share with you Celebrate Recovery's eight recovery principles. They're going to be up on the screen behind me, and you can follow along. And I want you to notice the first letter of every point because it's an acronym. This spells out the word recovery. Step one. Realize I'm not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Step two, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Step three, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Step four and five, openly examine and confess my faults to myself to God, and to someone I trust. Step six and seven, voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Steps eight and nine, evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I have done to others when possible, except when to do so would harm them or others. Steps 10 and 11, reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. And step 12, yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and my words. Those sound like words that any and every Christian should live by. Of course, we're gonna have several people that are before this service over is gonna come and share their testimony. They're gonna share with you what this ministry has meant to them. And also, we're gonna to try to give you an idea of what this ministry looks like. And as you'll see, it has been highly effective. But before we get going, I wanna first introduce and honor the man who has faithfully led this ministry over the past decade. You're a celebrity now. Wow, man. Awesome. 
This is Ron Freeman. You didn't let me get his name out. You started clapping. You didn't, you didn't even know who it was. This is Ron, and Ron has led this uh, ministry for since it began, 10 years ago. It's crazy. 10 years went by so fast. Ron, I want you to know something. As the pastor of this church, and this comes from the perspective of the pastor, when I think of the word faithfulness, two faces always come into my mind, my mind's eye. The first one is Scott Miller, our worship leader. And the second one, and, 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 and this is not one is more equal than the other. These, these are the two faces and Ron Freeman. It is, it, I'm excited. That's okay. You did. You did. The Lord worked through you. You did have something to do because you were a willing vessel and you decided that you would try to do something you didn't think you were capable of doing. So you did play a part in it, but the Lord empowered you to do what you didn't think you could do. Um, Ron, uh, I am happy to be able to extend this welcome to you and to honor you in front of our congregation. It's probably well overdue. This is a good time to do it on the 10th anniversary, and I just wanted people to see. And Ron, I know that nine years ago when I arrived here, um, it was not all a box of chocolates, was it? There were a lot of struggles. There, 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 was, there was a lot of difficulties that went on in the ministry, and I know that, that, that you had to deal with a lot of things and, 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 and self-cost. I mean, you invested yourself and your time in this place. But you know what? You added so much love and sweat and tears and blood and a lot of prayers. And, and I look at Celebrate Recovery and the health of the ministry today compared to where it was when we started and, I, and I'm literally blown away. You have, um, you have grown this ministry and you've put together a leadership team to help you to grow this ministry and through the whole process, you've grown as a man, you've grown as a man of God and you've grown as a leader and uh, it's, easily recognized, and I want you to know that how proud I am of, of where you've come from, what you've done, and what this ministry has accomplished. And uh, I wanna give you, uh, I wanna give you just a minute to go ahead and greet the congregation, and we're <laughs> gonna move on with the, uh, with the day's events, okay? Well, the big thing, I didn't lose the keys to the, to the, the church. And God didn't lose I didn't lose the keys to God. Uh, the door is always open. All you got to do is knock. And uh, I really want to appreciate. I appreciate Pastor, uh, this church. I, I just being raised in this church, pretty much in the old churches. Uh, I remember the elders. I remember the, all the prayers through the uh, through the years, through the decades, way back when. I'm 60 years old, 61, so I knew a lot of a lot of ones that did prayer and. Uh, but um, yeah, I just want to thank you, and uh, I'm, I'm so grateful to be here today, and I couldn't have done it without uh, the, the, our team. Couldn't have done it without Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the center of the ministry. Amen? So anyways, and, uh, but I do want to recognize my team, and uh, you know, I couldn't have done it without them. They're, they're unselfish, and uh, in fact, a weekend ago, we was here for eight hours sitting in the same pew as you are, and uh, they do that year after year. As a matter of fact, sometimes we travel 200 miles or 400 miles round trip to learn and to train together. We pray together, and we're very transparent, and that's how we grow together. I think that's, and I'll answer the first question. What's so special about Celebrate Recovery? I, I, I think because lives are still being changed, um, hurts are being healed, addictions are being uh, broken, bondages are being broken. Hang-ups, hang-ups are being delivered. I think this community is in need of a savior. I believe these homes are in need of uh, leaders, godly leaders. And uh, God changed me around, so I know he can change others around. I hear the prayers of the children, and they pray for their, their parents all the time. When I'm able to get into the prayer circle of these children, they're praying for their parents. Amen. So, But I do want to thank everybody for being here today, and I, I uh, humbly appreciate it. So thank you. Ron, you know what? Yeah, go ahead. You have, this ministry and the power of God's spirit has helped so many people to overcome their challenges, their addictions, the strongholds, the hurts and habits. Um, I'm going to call out the names and maybe not everybody on this list is present. And there's actually more we could have put on this list that we knew couldn't be here today. But I'm gonna call out your name and I would like you to stand when I call your name and, and remain standing because I want you to just see this, and, and I want you to, if you would please hold your applause 
until after all the names are read. Otherwise, we're going to be here all morning long. So we have to, we have to see our, we have to be careful in our applause, okay? Let's, let's be selective when we do it. All right. Um, I'm going to call out some names. Stand if you would and stay standing. Randall B., drugs and alcohol, one year, six months sobriety. Nick L., drugs, one year, six months. Annie M., drugs, alcohol, seven years. Mike M., drugs, alcohol, seven years. That's Annie came in right there. Casey W., drugs, five years, six months. Claudette W., codependency, five years, nine months. Sandy R., drugs, alcohol, eight years, six months. Bobby F., drugs, 11 years, six months. Lee K., drugs, alcohol, three years, eight months. Brandy, depression and codependency, two years. Michael J., drugs and alcohol, 14 years. Clint P., drugs, 14 months. Alethea, drugs and alcohol, six years, six months. Monica S., drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, five years. Vince S., drugs, 12 years, six months. Brett B., drugs four, and alcohol, four years. Amanda B., drugs and alcohol, four years. Dan A., anger, one year, six months. Connie S., drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, six months. Saul B., drugs, alcohol, food, 36 years. Liz B., codependency, self-worth, six months. Nisha, drugs, 10 years. Donald B., drugs, alcohol, seven years, six months. Bobby H., drugs, alcohol, five years. Tim P., drugs, alcohol, two months. Glinda M., drugs, 20 years. Genevieve, drugs, alcohol, one year. Rob M., drugs, alcohol, four months. Anita T., drugs, alcohol, one year, nine months. Anthony M., alcohol, three months. Wynami, drugs, seven years. Tammy D., drugs, alcohol, eight months. Let's hear it for these people. Amen. Leaders, come on forward, four of you. We got a panel coming forward. All right, praise God. Let it go, Phil. I guess you can have a seat. Yeah, you can manage the microphone too. How's that? I, uh, I have some questions I wanted to ask, I think to help all of us better understand this ministry. Can someone tell me what you believe is, is the most? You already answered that one, right? Okay, all right. So tell me, someone, I don't know who's gonna answer these questions, who, uh, what is the difference between Celebrate Recovery versus, let's say, AA or some other kind of a support group system? Hola, I'm Lee, and I'm grateful to be up here. And uh, the main difference, I'm not gonna take anything away from AA or NA, but uh, they give that step three, and they say to turn your life and your will over to the a God of your own understanding, you know? And uh, my understanding kept me stuck in a life cycle that was, it's two endings, you know what I mean? And neither one of them are happy. And uh, here at CR, we all, we all have the same higher power, and his name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> with, uh, with that like-mindedness and uh, transparency, we, we were able to grow, you know? I learned stuff from people I never thought I'd learn from, you know what I mean? I'll, Ron caught me going through the dumpster years ago over here. And uh, the man met me with love and compassion and didn't chastise me, you know, and that right there stuck with me. Who knew the seed was gonna be planted? And I mean, if you would've told me I'd be up here four years ago, no way. <laughs> you know, a lot of people uh, think that CR is, is solely for individuals who struggle with drugs and alcohol. Of course, we know that not to be true. So tell us, somebody tell me exactly what are the type of issues uh, people who come, have come to CR have needed help with. Okay, I'm Sandy, a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggled with alcohol and drugs for 52 years. Um, mixing issues is one. That's one of the things of a hurt habit and hang up. It's not under something that alcohol or drugs are, but it's other issues that we deal with, depression, anxiety, um, any kind of emotional issues. We do men 
mental health is one that we we have a problem with around, especially around here. We do. Um, the other one is adult. That's um, from a family dysfunction. Um, a lot of us are the end of our parents' problems. They had drugs and alcohol problems, and we didn't break that chain. Here at Celebrate Recovery, we're breaking the chain. The kids don't have to be alcoholics and drugs. They don't have to be from a dysfunctional family. They can have parents that love them and take care of them, and that they don't need to carry that baggage for all these years. I wish I had a program like this. The other one is codependency. I think everybody has that issue. <laughs> I was reading it this morning doing the homework and I went, oh my God, I'm codependent too. Um, <laughs> people, people pleasing is another one with codependence. Um, not admitting that you have an issue, denial is part of it. So if we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, oh, you know, something's not right. That's codependent. Food addiction. I got that one too. Um, I overeat when I'm depressed. I overeat when I have anxiety. I overeat when I'm in that dark space because I do deal with depression and anxiety. And as you can see, I'm shaking like a leaf, but we'll get through this. Um, there's, there's one that deals with sexual stuff, pornography, um, self-worth, um, you know, we see a lot of that with people here. They come in and they tell us the stories of what they went through. Um, I was molested when I was a kid, so I know about that. Um, so those are the issues we do on that one. I got two more. And then I have self-injury. Um, teenagers, you see a lot of this with teenagers um, when they're cutting themselves, when they're sad and depressed. And you see it with adults, they pick a lot. You'll see them pick and they come in with sores and stuff. And so as long as they have a faith in God. So I wanted to say one more thing. Psalms 36, seven says, how priceless is your unfailing love. Um, when I came in here to celebrate recovery, I met a man, Daryl. He's right over there. Um, I was drunk, thought I could come in and, and figure out what my life was all about. Um, he grabbed me and he hugged me and he said, this is the place you need to be. Keep coming back. And with that, I'm still at this church from that night. And a lot too, I'm going to say something about pastor too, and then I'll shut up. Um, we are, I know I got one more minute. Um, he has been supporting us from the get-go and we couldn't do it without this, the pastor's backing of these 10 years and so all of these people that are sitting around here we are grateful for you pastor Dave because we come to this church because of you can somebody tell me what the main factor is that causes these issues and how you address them. I'm going to switch positions. I'm tired of standing over there. I'm going to stand here. <laughs> Hi, I'm Monica, and I'm a grateful believer who struggles with drugs, alcohol, and codependency. So I really prayed about this because, I mean, we all come from different backgrounds, and we were all raised differently. But the main thing that I could really boil it down to one word is sin. So the sin that has been against myself um, by others by myself, the sin that I've committed against others, all those things caused the, the hurts in my life that led to the hangups and then the habits. If you could tell me the one thing that the CR ministry at High Point has accomplished that you're the most proud of, what would that be? So recently we had a training. Um, it was an all day training and they talked a lot about the pandemic. And honestly, when there's bad stuff that happens, as soon as I cannot think about it, I literally like put it into a can and say, I do not want to think about that anymore. And so when they were talking about the pandemic, it reminded me of all we had gone through for these last two years. 
and I heard stories of other Celebrate Recoveries that have literally closed um, because of it. Uh, they lost leaders, like 25% of their leadership um, walked away, and I don't know what their reasons were. Um, that's between them and God, but we didn't. Um, we did close for three months, um, but we really stuck together. We did Zoom meetings. Um, we prayed for one another. We stayed in touch on the phone um, to the best of our ability. Because you remember in the beginning, it was like, no touch, no see. You know, it was like, stay in your house. Don't ever come out again. Um, and it was really scary. And I can remember many Zoom meetings, Sandy can speak to this too, where I just sobbed through the whole meeting. Um, but I stayed clean and I stayed sober. And so did most of our, our group. Like we have a larger group today. <laughs> most people are shut down and just barely beginning to reopen, can't even do a step study. Our leadership team has doubled. Somebody tell me about the coins that you hand out and, and, and what they mean. And well, those coins, they, uh, they're a symbol of our, our clean time from whatever our hurt habit hang up might be. And um, for me, I'm an addict and uh, those coins, they gave me something else to be addicted to for the first year, you know what I mean? I, <laughs> I, 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 I knew, because here you get them every month for the first year. And, and I, every month I knew if I messed up in that month, I don't get to find out what color that coin is. I don't get to add it to my keychain. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, there's, a, there's a dear friend of mine here that I met in another program uh, who's made his way over here to us now. And um, he told me a long time ago, he's like, man, give it a year. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it's, you want that misery back? It'll be there waiting for you. Well, those, <laughs> those, those coins, they, they, they got me through my first year. You know what I mean? And uh, now and then I had to wait six months for another one. And so and now I got to wait a year between them, but, but I got babied into it, man. So I'm cool with that. If uh, somebody's interested in being a part of this ministry, I'm going to move again. How would, they, how would they go about doing that? Well, the first step is walking through the doors. Those, when you say that you have a problem and there's no denying it, and you talk to God and God says, this is the place, which it did for me. Um, that's how you start it. That's a big journey, but the journey's worth it. I, I was a 24-hour drinker for many years and um, went to sleep drinking, woke up drinking, came here drinking. Um, but the thing is, the people here, the people that started Celebrate Recovery, and you know who you are, um, you kept telling us to come back. Come back with some clean time. Keep the journey going. The other thing is get plugged in on the 12 steps. Go come every Friday. The men has step studies on Mondays. The women's are starting two-step studies coming up. Um, do step study work. It tells you a little bit about yourself, and it digs into your heart. As alcoholics and drug addicts, we, um, we stuff a lot of stuff in that heart. And we need to let God into our heart. And that's the first step. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I was just going to ask one other question. Can somebody express to me the importance of people not wanting, or, or should I say maybe the detriment of people not wanting to admit that they've got a struggle? And, uh, and when they stop seeking help, or when they, they know it's right there in front of them, but yet they resist. Do you want to address that? or? So ignoring my hurts never made them go away. So it's like kind of like ignoring something wrong with your car. You know, you're like, it's still driving. So you're like, it's fine. I don't care about that little knock it has. And you keep driving and driving and driving it. And pretty soon the knock gets louder and suddenly the problem gets worse and it suddenly costs you more. It's the same thing for my, my hurts and my hangups and habits when I ignore them. They don't go away on their own. They get worse. And... And so whoever said, like, time heals all wounds was wrong, right? It took effort for me to heal the hurts of my past. And coming to Celebrate Recovery, listening to testimonies and lessons, going to open share groups and sharing my struggles with um, women. Men share with men. Women share with women. It's gender specific. Um, that's where the healing happens, and, and then you get into a step study, and it's like that, 
is a discipleship program. Like I had reached my limit on my own in my growth when I came to Celebrate Recovery. And with the help of Jesus Christ, my sponsor, the 12 steps, my accountability buddies, all of my friends here, like my real friends, friends I could never find before Celebrate Recovery. Because of that, I'm the woman who, I'm becoming the woman anyway, who Jesus wants me to be. So if there's anything that is hindering you from becoming the man or woman that Jesus wants you to be, Celebrate Recovery is for you. Ron, thank you. Thank you for joining us, guys, panel. Thank you for answering the questions. Um, we have, uh, we're going to have some people come up and give their testimonies. Um, I don't know who's going first, but head your way up here. I've got a microphone for you. Are you going to need a podium, Casey? Something to rest your notes on? You okay? It would be nice. Well, here, let me get a music stand. We'll... Because I think mine's going to be too tall. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here you go, brother. Thank you, Pastor. You have 38 seconds. I'm joking. <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Ready, go. Hi, my name is Casey. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, and I struggle with drugs, alcohol, and PTSD. My name is Claudette. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with Casey <laughs> and codependency. I was born in Philly, raised in Jersey, and I had a memorable childhood. I love and adore my father, mother, brother, and sister. I grew up around alcohol, marijuana, and other drugs, and Christ was not the center of our family. My childhood is where my codependency started. I believed alcohol and drugs were not bad things, and they were just something that everybody did. My parents separated a few days before my 16th birthday, and my mom went back to her home country, England. I was left with my dad, brother, and eventually my sister. I felt personally responsible for their well-being, and I tried to fill the role of my mother. I never believed I was good enough, even though every day I tried to achieve perfection. After high school, life felt like it was going nowhere for me, so I decided to join the Air Force. I was stationed in England, 20 minutes from where my mother lived. That's God, right? And I met the love of my life in a pub in Edinburgh, Scotland on New Year's Eve. He was the life of every party, and I thought he was perfect for me. <laughs> you should have ran. <laughs> Hi. I grew up in Martinez, California. I have loving parents and had an altogether great childhood. I was involved with BMX, football, and wrestling. Sports were a good outlet, and they kept me out of trouble. When I was 14 years old, I remembered that my uncle would sexually abuse me when I was younger. Around the same time, I began experimenting with drugs and alcohol. It seems the drugs helped with the insecurities and pain. Within a few years, I'd become a full-blown addict. My drug of choice was crystal meth. When I was 21 years old, I joined the military because I thought this would help get me off of drugs. After withdrawing from drugs and basic training, I switched from drugs to alcohol because that was more socially acceptable in the service. The drinking did not go well. I always drank too much, broke things, and fought. I went to three different treatment programs at my first base, and in my second base was where I met my wife at Edinburgh. We were at the number one party location in all of Europe. On New Year's Eve. On August 11, 2001, Casey and I were married in San Diego. Our marriage was off to a rough start. We were drinking, smoking weed, and my husband had me believing he needed meth to get work done. I was ignorant and was not aware meth, alcohol, or marijuana were drugs. That's what I was used to. I believe this was something everybody did. My husband began 
acting irrational, sleeping for days, not coming home, lying, and I thought for sure he was cheating on me. I searched his truck looking for answers, and I discovered a credit card statement in my name. It had over $2,000 in cash withdrawals. When I confronted him, he then shared with me that he was addicted to meth and needed to go to rehab. This would be my fourth of 12 visits to a treatment center. I was completely addicted to meth, and I was a daily user. Without meth, I could not manage. I did not have God in my life, and I was full of anger and self-abusing behaviors. I stole, I lied, and I hurt those who loved me the most. No one could ever hurt me as much as I hurt myself, though. Drugs made me feel safe. I was physically strong, but spiritually weak. I felt every problem in my life was being held in my bag of drugs. As long as I had drugs, all my problems stayed in there. And when the drugs were gone, the pain would come rushing back to me. I was scared and believed I would never be able to stop using. My life scripture is Psalm 15. In NIV, it reads, Lord, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent, who may live on your holy mountain, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe, against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. During this time, I found my relationship with Christ and I learned to set boundaries. I believe with Christ, my world would not be shaken. And I said to Casey, if you continue to use and not work a program, you have to leave. So he left. October 2011, I admitted myself into my first Christ-centered recovery program, Calvary Ranch in San Diego, California. The ranch started off different than any other program I had ever been to. While doing my intake, the pastor kept telling me, miracles happen here. And I was like, yeah, okay, miracles. You know, I just wasn't believing. And um, it was funny, I watched a testimony just a little bit later, just like you guys are watching one today. And all of a sudden, God gave me this vision, and I saw my wife and kids looking at me like I was the husband and father I always wanted to be. And I said, sign me up, and I turned my life over to Christ. Amen. After 10 years, my prayers were answered. My husband found salvation, and he was the father I dreamed he would be. I was able to forgive him because he was also able to forgive me. There's a whole testimony that happened there, but I have five minutes. <laughs> For Christmas, we visited his parents in Tehama County to let them know our family was now walking with the Lord. When we got back to home, we knew it was time for a change. We sold our home, and we bought a home in Rancho Tehama, sight unseen, and we had faith. We were doing the right thing because we had been in prayer with many other believers, and we were following the Lord. In 2012, we moved to Rancho Tehama. We immediately plugged in with the community church. We loved the church, but after two years, I knew my family and I needed more. The day after Thanksgiving in 2014 was the first day I came to High Point Celebrate Recovery. I had just relapsed on my pain medication from a recent back surgery. Feeling extremely defeated, God led me to Celebrate Recovery at High Point that night. I got my first sponsor, joined a step study group, got involved with leadership, and now consider High Point our forever family. It took me going to Celebrate Recovery for two years with many trips to Pastor David's office to be able to stop abusing my pain medication. I kept trying to make something work that wasn't going to work. <laughs> I even learned to forgive my uncle for the abuse in my childhood while doing step work. I have a huge group of stepbrothers from the last eight years of participating in step study. I also have a loving and growing relationship with my sponsor and my sponsees. So... <laughs> I started attending CR, but only serving in the children's ministry because I didn't have a problem. 
I decided to work the steps, get a sponsor, and receive freedom from codependency. I was able to forgive others who had hurt me, going as far back as my childhood. And I was able to make amends for the harm I have caused. It's allowed me to be an imperfectly perfect mother to three. Wife, daughter, sister, and friend. Today, I put Christ first, and I love my husband more than the day that I married him. What I love, what I love about our church and celebrate recovery is the feeling of the Holy Spirit's presence and the feeling of unconditional love. Celebrate recovery is not optional for our family, neither is church. If we're not there, it's because we're either on vacation Family is in town or someone is sick. Celebrate recovery is not just for addicts. It's for anyone that has a hurt, hang up, or habit. We all have at least one of those. Celebrate recovery gives us a safe place to share and heal. High Point Celebrate Recovery has the most amazing group of people that come to serve and support each other. If you haven't been on a Friday night, come join us. It'll change your life. I know it changed mine and saved my family. We'll go ahead and have our next testimony come forward. Vince, you have 25 seconds. It's getting smaller. Who's after you? Uh, this is it. This is it. I'm it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hi, I'm Vince, grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and this is going to be a miracle if I can keep this down to five minutes, but I will, out of respect for pastor. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Uh, <clears throat> takes about two hours for my testimony, but it's going to be choppy. Amen. So, praise God. Um, 12 years as of November 2nd, been clean from drugs. But, amen. I'm one of the special people because when God got my attention, I just told him, you got to take the desire from me. And he did. He did. I do not have the desire to get high no more. But to backtrack a little bit, uh, my family was in Oregon. I was born in Oregon. Perfect family. Dad worked at uh, Railroad. My mom worked at Fred Meyers. My dad blows his back out and becomes an alcoholic. My mother gets killed in a car accident, a horrific car accident. And then my dad goes back to one of his old girlfriends, which hated my mother. And for the next seven years, I went through a very abusive situation. Then when my dad realized what was going on, he uh, pulled my sister and I out of that situation. And uh, I became a drug addict, amen, because I put on the mask. And uh, I liked who I became. And I got in a lot of trouble after that. And I mean, my history, but that's for another testimony, amen. So, amen. <laughs> so, uh, I had some friends that were concerned, you know, and that really liked me. And they helped me get a job. And uh, that job brought me to Red Bluff, amen. Thank you, Jesus. And when I came here, uh, we put flumes up on Mount Lassen, spent three months here. And the last night there, I was taking one of our workers to the, uh, amen. I looked at the wrong clock, amen. Uh, I took one of the workers to this house and they slipped me a Mickey or a Rufy. And the weird thing was, was several years later, I ran into that person and they, oh, I'm so sorry for what I did, you know. And don't be sorry for me because I found Jesus Christ out of the deal. Amen. But you need to apologize to those people that were in that car accident. I was in, I blacked out and I was in a head-on collision that messed my life up at that period of time. When I say that, I got a nice little dent on my head right here. Um, from November 5th, 2005 until January, I walked around with blood on my brain. And I was so messed up when they finally caught it. They took me in for surgery, did immediate surgery on me. And the doctor even said, he says, I don't know how you even walked in here. Well, I went back to Oregon. California finally came and got me. I had to go to court. I got uh, nine years at 85%. And I went inside, got locked up in prison. And while I was in there, I always wanted to weld. 
So I got signed up for the program. And every time I close my eyes, I should state that <laughs> when uh, I was so messed up, I went and seen the head shrink of uh, Oregon and he told me, full medical benefits, you get everything, you don't have to work again for your life. Because every time I close my eyes, this arm would just float. And then I had rapid leg movement. I could not control my legs. And he said, it's just going to get worse. So they gave me full benefits. And But when I came here, I got locked up, went to prison. Uh, I got in the welding program. And Dr. Smith comes up and he says, he laughed. He says, you'll never be able to weld. Because every time you flip your helmet down, your arm's going to, and you never get your straight lines, right? So I get in there and my bunkie went to church and he invites me to church. I go to church with him and I come back and I was making these cards that were not very good cards, right? And this guy walks by and says, you shouldn't be doing cards like that. And I said, all right, Lord, if I should not be doing this, let me know what, what goes on between a man and a woman is their business. I wasn't living for God at the time, amen. So... <clears throat> I go into church the next day, and Sister Marilyn points at me. No porno, no porno. Oh, okay. I go back to my dorm. I get rid of everything. And I told God, I said, I'm done. If this is for real, if this is for real, you have to take the desire from me for getting high. Because I had a guy that was coming to my dorm and bringing me drugs every morning while I was locked up. And he did. I have not had the desire to do drugs ever since then. I flushed them, I found them at my job, and trashed them. So the guy shows up at the door and he says, uh, Vince, and I said, yeah, and he said, I said, no, I'm good. He says, all right, he laughed at me, and he said, I'll see you in about three hours, so I was gonna go through withdrawals. I didn't, I went to medical, got off all the medication. They flipped out and said, you can't do that, you just can't stop because of the trauma and the medication and the period of time you've been taking them, and I did, I just stopped. So, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> God got my attention, somebody signs me up for uh, CR. I go to CR, and I'm thinking, I've been delivered. I don't need CR, you know, God's delivered me, you know, and I went in there and God literally spoke to me and said, you got issues you need to deal with. And I sat down, started uh, doing the groups and the step studies. And ever since then, I've been faithful to CR because of that. So up to date to this period of time, 2014, August 3rd, uh, I get released from prison and I run into a man named Robert Croft at Food Max. The whole time I was in there, I wanted a cream dilution and avocado. And so I go down there and I'm going to buy my things. And he says, hey, August 3rd, payday. <laughs> so everybody at the store at Food Max is full. Hey, did you just get out of prison? I said, yeah. <laughs> the whole store is looking at me like, oh, no, you know. <laughs> I said, yeah. And God started opening doors. He got me a job at the Cozy. I got all my certifications when I was in uh, the welding. And I, I thought, oh, I got to get a welding job. I want to get out there and weld. Certified 6G and aluminum, stainless steel, and carbon steel. And um, <clears throat> God healed me, amen, miraculously healed me. And so uh, <clears throat> uh, he says, I got a place you can stay. Are you got any place to stay? And I said, no, I don't have no place to stay. stay. And so he hooks me up. I get hooked up with the church walls. I, I become associate pastor there, but there be there because of the COVID, the place is closed down now. And I've always been coming here. Amen. Since August of uh, 2014 for Celebrate Recovery. I remember riding a bike here. So, amen. <laughs> uh, I get a job at the Cozy. God starts opening doors. And then all of a sudden, I give my testimony at phase three, uh, probation and parole. And when I give that, the head of probation and parole comes up to me. And how would you like to teach my guys to weld? So I've been teaching welding for anybody that's on probation or parole or has fines, and I've been doing that ever since. Amen. So thank you for letting me share, and hopefully I didn't go over. Amen. We have one more? Okay. I, I thought, okay, come on. I thought Vince said he was the last one. 
not nervous. <laughs> Hi, my name is Felicia. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I struggle with anxiety and fear, and I have seven years victory over intravenous drug abuse and alcohol abuse. <laughs> Um, so I was born and raised in Red Bluff. Um, I have a family who has a long line of addiction to alcohol and drugs and um, dishonesty and promiscuity and um, lies. And so, and so um, I'm not blaming them. You know, I made choices. I do remember, though, my first drink. I think I was four, and my dad gave it to me. And um, <laughs> uh, my first drunk was 12 and my cousin took me to a party. And I remember um, the first time I got drunk and I realized that I could escape. Um, I'm gonna back up a tiny bit. In childhood, my parents divorced when I was young and I took that really, 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 really hard. Um, and I hung on to that for a really long time in my life. And, um, and they had a really unhealthy divorce and they fought a lot. And then every person they saw after each other, it just was like a worse and worse relationship. And there was always a lot of drugs involved and alcohol involved and abuse involved. And um, so, um, so I followed suit, you know, I followed suit and I, um, I hurt. And when I realized that I could drink, that I could escape my problems and that, um, and that, or so I thought I could escape my problems. And, um, and as I got older, like I got introduced to more hard drugs. And so as time went on, I was introduced to meth and um, I started using that and it started, um, I don't wanna go into too much detail, but it turned into really hard using. And, um, and what happened throughout the years is, um, you know, in the beginning, it was like, oh, I'll never do that. Like, I would never do something like that. I would never be promiscuous in that way. Or I would never stoop that low or steal or lie or cheat. Or like, if I ever got married, I'd never be a cheater. And like, what happened was throughout the years, I did all the things that I said I would never do. Um, I was a cheater. I got married to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, throughout my life, I, I married my pastor's son. We were very um, great together. <laughs> we, um, we, we were both very um, deep into our addiction. And so it was um, six years of a lot of lies and infidelity and, um, and drug abuse and alcohol abuse. And, um, and like one thing I want to say, because um, I know Sandy was touching on celebrate recovery is not just for addicts and alcoholics, you know, it's for people who struggle with all things. Like when I look back on my past, the reason that I used drugs and alcohol was for the things that I was unwilling to deal with. Like I was unwilling to deal with my fear. I was unwilling to deal with my anxiety. I was unwilling to deal with the hurts that I was going through or seek help in a healthy way. Like I wasn't willing to scream and cry and seek the Lord and beg him for help or pray or um, go find a friend to talk to or find a healthy adult that could help me through my problems. You know, say like, I'm very hurt. My parents are broken up or um, I was used by a man, you know, like my heart's broken or like he cheated on me or, you know, whatever it was that I was going through, I wouldn't face it and I wouldn't walk through it in a healthy way. And instead what I would do is I would tuck it away and I would try to hide in a bottle or a bag and that never helped. And throughout the years, um, like one more thing I want to say, it's like I, I, um, I actually like... <laughs> I get to sponsor a woman who doesn't even have a drink or drug problem. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, it's amazing to me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, um, so I don't know, but what I know is that um, throughout the years, like the, the drinking and the drugging, it wasn't able to hide things anymore. And it was taking my life and it was making me miserable. And I would make choices that I hated myself for making. I would um, give myself to men. I would lie. I would, um, gosh, I called in all the time to my job. I was unreliable. I was um, unreliable to my family. I couldn't have a real relationship. If you didn't have something that I was using you for that I couldn't come up from you from, 
I just didn't care, you know? I didn't care who I was wrecking or what tornadoes I was causing or what events I couldn't show up for, if I called in or whatever I did. Um, I lied to myself, I lied to you, um, and I was miserable. And um, I got into some legal trouble. And um, so what happened was through that legal trouble, I had, a, had to clear my mind for a little bit. And so I got clean for a minute and I um, wound up going to church with my mom one day. And I'd been to church a few times throughout my life. Um, and that day for the first time with a clear head, um, the pastor was giving a message. And for the first time in my life, he read the Bible and I understood what he was saying. And it was crazy because that man had never met me, but he laid my life out that day in church. And I was like, how does he know what I've been doing? And um, anyway, that day I gave my life to the Lord and um, I understood. I understood salvation and I received Christ and I asked for forgiveness. And, um, and so, okay, so springing forward, um, and I know my time is up, so I'm just gonna hurt, sorry. Um, so springing forward, I found Celebrate Recovery because um, addiction took everything from me. It took my marriage from me. It, um, my, my, it took my best friend from me. She was 28 years old. She lost her life to an overdose in 2013. A few months later, um, my dad, he's 56 years old, and he was 56 years old at the time, and he committed suicide after um, drinking a bottle, and, um, and he had a long life of addiction. So um, addiction took my dad, it took my best friend. And what happened to me was I lost it after that. I uh, quit my job of 10 years, I lost myself, I was making horrible choices and I was miserable and um, I wanted to die. Addiction and the sin of it and the enemy, what the works he does through it, um, took me to a depth where I wanted to lose, I wanted to take my own life and that's all I could think about any time that I was able to think. Um, and Celebrate Recovery saved my life. Um, um, one day I, I um, got to a really low low and what I did is I wound up going into Celebrate Recovery and I wound up making connections and I found a sponsor and I started working the steps and the steps have taught me to be honest with myself and be honest with other people and to get real and so, um, I've learned to get humble through working the steps. I've learned to, I, I have, um, my, my sobriety birthday is um, May 30th of 2014. So I haven't had to have a drink or a drug for seven years. Um, I don't know, today when I face a problem, I get to pray about it. I get to find healthy ways to walk through it. I've worked through two rounds of the steps. I have a sponsor, I have accountability partners. I show up for people who need me. Um, I get to love, I get to live, I get to feel today. So um, I owe all of that to Celebrate Recovery. I owe the life I have today to you. So thank you. I'd like to ask the worship team to come forward, if they will. We have just heard stories of changed lives. And you know, that's what Celebrate Recovery is all about. That's what the power of God is all about. And um, I have never been more proud of a group of people than I am today. Um, you know me, I'm, a, I'm kind of a plus budget. You know, I like things in order. and. Ron and I were talking, I said, Ron, I don't even know what today's gonna look like, but God's gonna get the glory for it. And uh, I'm not, amen. I didn't know how long this was gonna take. I had stuff I was gonna share, but what I have to share isn't important. You heard the most important stuff today. And that was from these people whose lives have been changed. And I just wanna thank all of you for being here. I wanna thank you for being a part of our church. I wanna thank you for your great love for the Lord and your enthusiasm and uh, your love for this church. You are, you are good for us. We are so glad to have you. And it's so exciting to see so many from Celebrate Recovery that have crossed over, they're attending church here, they're serving in different ways. Just an incredible, incredible ministry. And I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. And you know, I, none of this can happen 
without first going into a redemptive relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Step one has to be the realization that your life is a mess. And the truth is every person's life is a mess without Jesus. You may think you got it together, but you don't, my friend. You need Jesus. And that's step number one before any of this can ever happen. You've got to submit your life and your will to his lordship. And I want to give everybody an opportunity to do that today. And we're going to do that as we enter into communion. Communion is something we try to do the first Sunday of every month. That's why we're doing it today. I thought it would be very appropriate to end it with communion today because it reminds us of everything that Jesus did for us on the cross. There is no time like the time of communion where we are reminded of that perfect love that God sent his very best, his son, to die an excruciating death on the cross. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was crucified. He died on the cross and the blood that he shed atones for our sin. It is the agent that wipes our sin away. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later with resurrection power and he defeated death and Satan and he defeated the grave. And, and because now we are in a faith relationship and our blood has been, our, our sin has been atoned for by Jesus' blood, we also have that same resurrection power. It means that even though our physical bodies give away and our physical body dies, we don't. In fact, every human being has a spirit that lives eternally and where your spirit will spend eternally will depend on if you have a relationship with Jesus or not. And so as we enter into this communion time, I uh, just want to say to you, it is, is it a time, I want to read a scripture to you from, from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven and through 29. It gives us instruction on how to enter this. And this is a sacred moment. This isn't just a moment. This isn't just something we do. Communion is sacred. It says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. What that scripture tells me is that we must all examine ourselves. We must make sure that our participation in this time of communion is not being done in a manner that is unworthy. And as you examine yourself, uh, you have to confess and identify the sin in your life and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin. You might also discover that you're harboring unforgiveness for another human being. You need to take care of that. You may find that you are completely, uh, uh, you've completely become calloused to the things of God. You don't give them a thought during the day. You don't give them a care during the day. If that comes to your mind while you are self-examining, you need to take that to the Lord as well. Not to only forgive you of your sins, but to ask you for him to give you a thirst and a hunger for his righteousness in your life. If anything or more of these things come to your mind during this time of self-examination, it is essential that you leave it at the cross. If you don't, and if you participate in communion, without doing that, then you are guilty of the blood and the body of the Lord, and you will eat and drink judgment upon yourself. And so I want to give everyone in this place an opportunity to make things right with Jesus before we participate in communion. It is important that we do so. The Bible says, and during this prayer time, what I wanna ask you to do, if you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, ask him to forgive you of your sin, Ask him to be the Lord of your life. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, which he did, you will be saved. So simply pray your own prayer of belief and confession to the Lord. If you confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive you. And if every one of us in this place would humble ourselves during this time of communion and do exactly what I'm talking about doing during this time of silent prayer, then in unity, every one of us can participate in this sacred moment in a worthy way and bringing honor and praise and glory to our Lord. I'd like you all to bow your heads. All you're gonna hear is the music behind me and I would like everyone in this place to pray in your own way to the Lord.
Father, you've heard our words, but more importantly, you've read our thoughts. You know what condition each one of us is in in this place, and we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sin. We thank you that we, as we enter into this time of communion, we do so knowing the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf to give us eternal life and the presence of God to set us free from sin and the bondage that it creates in our lives. Thank you for this day, Lord. Help us to live our lives in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like the ushers to come forward. We're going to pass out the communion emblems to you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested and later to be crucified, he had one final meal with his disciples. And at that meal, he took the bread and he gave thanks to God and then he broke it. The breaking of the bread was representative of his body that would soon be broken during his crucifixion. So when he breaks the bread, he gives each one of his disciples a piece and he says to them, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he said, every time you do this, keeping in mind, Jesus instituted this whole, this whole thing called the Lord's Supper or communion, whatever you wanna call it, as often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. And so as you eat of this bread this morning, I want you to be reminded of the bruised and the battered body of our Lord and Savior. You may eat the bread. Then he took the cup and the cup represented his blood that was soon to be spilled. It is the blood, as I said earlier, that would atone for the sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of the entire world. And he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. And again, as often as you drink of it, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And as you drink of this juice this morning, I want you to remember the blood that poured out of the Lamb of God, the sinless Son of God, for the forgiveness of your sin you may drink. Will you stand with us as we sing? bow your heads in prayer with me, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we were reminded today that 
we mess up. We make wrong choices. We sin. We get trapped in that sin. But that was not what you intended for us, Lord. Your power is such that you can set us free from the bondage of sin, from addictions, from strongholds, from habits, from hurts that, that we should not hang on to. You give us the ability to release those and let those go and it not affect the way we live. And God, it is your desire that we would live lives fully functioning and fully serving you. I thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that were given today. Certainly much more depth, many more details that could have been told. But the point is, God, you are a God who changes people. You are a God who delivers us from sin and even, yes, from ourselves. And you make us whole. And then we can walk around as children of God, as the righteousness of God, because you have forgiven us. Thank you for your spirit, God, which guides and directs and empowers and strengthens us and gives us ability to do things that in our own flesh we cannot do. But through your power, we can accomplish all things, and I thank you for that. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this place today who realizes that uh, maybe they have a struggle that needs to be addressed, that they would find the courage to show up on a Friday night and get involved and get plugged in and find the family that this group from Celebrate Recovery has that is incredible. There's support, there's love, there's understanding and that they would work on overcoming whatever that, that setback in their life is. And God, I thank you for the blessing of these testimonies to show us once again what you can do in the life of a person who submits their will to you. So as we go our separate ways today, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide and direct our steps, places we go, the things we do, the conversations that we have, that those conversations would be designed to build people up and not to tear them down, and that we would shine like bright lights in a very dark world, and that very brightness would lead people to come and say, what is it that's different about you? Of course, we know it's the love of God in our heart. And then, Father, I pray that you would open the door for us to share your goodness with someone this week. I ask you to keep us safe from sickness and disease and illness until we gather together again and worship you as a church family in spirit and in truth. And again, I thank you for today. I thank you for showing us that you are a God who not only cares, but you are a God who can transform us from the inside out. As we leave here, Father, let us go in your love and in the power of your spirit and represent you well in a world that needs that kind of representation. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you for being here.